0: thank you william um, let me greet you all in the wonderful name of our lord and savior jesus christ amen it's such a joy to be with you this morning um the saints in mamilodi sends their greetings and their thanks for letting your pastor be away for two days <laughs> um so they send their greetings and their thanks to you as the church um this morning as we consider our lord um, and his triumph over the grave, his resurrection, I want to take you to Mark chapter 16. And before I do that, let me welcome um, uh, visitors in our midst, uh, uh, Barnabas and, and Wilson. We came with uh, Mr. Guatsuka, um, Charles, as, as they've said that we have seen Charles before. <laughs> welcome, Charles, um, and um, Harrod and Evelyn. Um, Herod and Evelyn are members of um, Bershley Baptist Church in Johannesburg, and uh, I believe it's a Solar Five um, church, right? Um, So it's in the network of um, Solar Five churches. Um, It's a a, a pleasure to see you guys and all of you uh, feel at home. Um, Yeah, We have coffee and tea after church, so um, feel free to stay and interact with the people. Matthew, and Mark chapter 16, I just want to focus on verse 7 of Mark chapter 16, Um, just a little text there, a small short um, text um, in verse 7, but just for the sake of context, I'll read from verses uh, 1 up until verse 8, but the point of focus for us this morning um, is verse 7, and the Uh, subject or title of our sermon is hope for sinners through resurrection hope for sinners through resurrection let us read from God's Word I read from the ESV this is God's Word let us hear him when the Sabbath was passed Mary Magdalene Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him him is Jesus Christ uh, they, they were alarmed, and, and he said to them, "Do not be alarmed. You, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, and the point of focus. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you." And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them and they said to they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid and that passage that we're going to look at just that sentence but go tell his disciples and peter our text this morning is short let me let me let me pray and then we go into god's word our heavenly father lord we thank you we thank you Uh, for your word. We thank you for Christ our Lord who died in our place. Who died not because he deserved it but because we deserved it and he took it upon himself. Drank the full cup of the wrath of God, was buried and rose again on the third day for our justification. What a joy it is to know that Christ came to the world to die for our sins for the Father's glory. May you be glorified, O oh Father, in the hearing of your word and in the preaching of your word. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen. As I said, that the text that we are going to deal with this morning is short, but it offers great hope for the sinner. This is a message to, of those who know that they mess up against God, that they sin against God. Moreover, they have sinned. Against God. In other words, if you don't see yourself as a sinner this morning, this text is probably is probably not going to mean anything to you. But if you acknowledge your sin before God, this text will be a delight to you this morning. Mark records uh, Mark's record here of the resurrection. Inserts two short words that offer hope to all who have failed God and Peter. Right. And Peter in verse seven the angel at the empty tomb, at the empty tomb told the women, but go tell his disciples and Peter why did the angel add and Peter I'm sure that the risen Lord uh, told him specifically to include those words uh, Peter who has denied the Lord. Peter who had boasted of his allegiance to Christ but then he denied him three times and Peter Uh, those words rang in Peter's ears as he heard the report from these women you can be sure that the angel uh, 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 the angel said those words. Peter couldn't have forgotten the scene the women had reported to the disciples the news of the resurrection there was Peter there he was slumped in the corner in gloom and depression but when he heard the words and Peter he, he pecked up oh, what did you say? Are, are you sure the angel said and Peter? tell me again were, were those his exact words? scholars affirm that Mark's gospel was written largely under Peter's influence. Mark was actually in an amanuenses, and, and Peter was the one telling him what to write. And just imagine the, this picture as Mark has quill in hand writing, go tell his disciples, reporting these events, and, and Peter is looking over his shoulder saying, don't forget to include and Peter. Mark, my son, don't forget to write and peter remember this is the same mark who had failed paul on the first missionary journey and you can be sure as you as you look at these words that they are accurate those two short words say to us that the risen savior offers hope to all who have failed god from peter's life i offer you three insights this morning on how the risen Savior can turn our failures into hope. Three insights on how the risen Savior can turn turn our failures into hope. First, failure cannot be hidden from the risen Savior's gaze. Failure cannot be hidden from the risen Savior's gaze. Since Adam's first sin, the the, the automatic human reflex to failure has been to try to hide from God, right? We've been trying to hide from God. And it's irrational when you think about it. It's impossible, but we still try to do it, anyways. But please observe with me here Jesus knew about Peter's failure before it happened. Jesus knew about Peter's failure before it happened. Jesus had predicted Peter's denial prior the event. Remember in Mark chapter 14, verse 29 to verse 31. Let us just look at it a, a bit. Verse 29 to 31, Jesus says, uh, uh, Peter says to, to Jesus Christ, "'Even though they fall away, I will not.' And Jesus said to him, "'Truly I tell you, this very night, "'before the rooster crows twice,' you will deny me three times but he said emphatically if i must die with you i will not deny you and they all said the same thing so jesus knew about peter's failure before it happened peter insisted and denied that he would not do such a thing but that which surprised peter was no surprise to our lord himself jesus knew peter better than peter knew peter And he knew about all your failures as well, and sins before he saved you. And secondly, the second thing to observe here, Jesus noticed Peter's failure when it happened. He saw it. Luke's gospel records the awful scene when Jesus was enduring the mock trial, while Peter in the courtyard was outside, denying him while peter was still while peter was still speaking a cork crowed then luke adds the chilling words and the lord turned and looked at peter in luke chapter 22 verse 61 the lord turned and looked at peter just imagine that scene what a look it must have been it communicated more than words could ever tell. Both love and, and reproof were bound up in that look. Peter went out and wept bitterly. I, I wonder if we would fall into sin if we knew that the Lord is always watching, right? I, I wonder if we would foolishly uh, pursue Sin, if we knew that the Lord is always watching. And the third thing I want you to observe here in this passage is notice that Peter's failure, uh, notice that Jesus noticed Peter's failure after it happened. Uh, This is indicated in our text by the words and Peter. The, The Lord didn't act as if Peter's failure had never happened. He didn't just brush it under the rug as we tend to do with sin. He acknowledged Peter's failure after the fact by those words, and Peter, we can't hide our failures from the risen Savior's gaze. He he knows more about us than we know about ourselves. He knows every rotten thought we, we have before we think it. He knows every awful thing we say before we even say it. He knows how we will fail him next week or or next year. He knows our failures as we are committing them. He doesn't overlook them and he he doesn't want us to also overlook them. He wants us to confess our sins and, and not cover them. The question this morning for you is, has the Lord ever reminded you that he is watching even when you are committing some sin? Do you think about that gaze of the omni omniscient god the god who is all-seeing who sees and knows everything do you think about that in that moment where you are passionately pursuing after sin even if we think that we get away with our sin at that moment the lord will not let us forget it later He has ways of bringing it to our attention until we deal with it. So the words and Peter, uh, tell us that that failure cannot be hidden from the risen Savior's gaze. It it cannot be hidden from the Savior who knows all things, who, who sees all things. We are only fooling ourselves if we think that we can hide it. We need to turn from it and confess it to the Lord immediately. Uh, that is always the first step to recovery when we've failed. You may be thinking in your mind that the, the news that I cannot hide my failure from the risen Savior's gaze doesn't fill me with much hope. Uh, how are you saying that we are finding hope in the, in the resurrection? Um, if if, if, if the, the thought of that I cannot hide my failures from, from, from the Savior, how does it give me hope? But, but, but hold on for a minute. The words and Peter also show us here, secondly, that failure cannot separate us from the risen Savior's love. Failure cannot separate us from the risen Savior's love. I can say that because, first of all, Peter's failure was as bad as any failure can be. This is not to this is not to bring a critique against Peter. It just as easily could have been you and me. We we all we, we all would have blown it as just as badly as as we had we had been if we had been in the same situation. If we were in Peter's shoes, we would have blown it as well. So I'm not criticizing Peter as if he was worse than we are. But it would be hard to convince, uh, to, to conceive of a way of, of blowing it worse than Peter did. He had spent three years almost constantly in the presence of Jesus Christ. He had heard Jesus teach, he had seen him perform miracles, he was in the inner circle of the twelve. He had been in the room when Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead. He had seen Jesus in his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. And if Jesus ever needed comfort and support from human friends, it was during the dark night of Gethsemane and the events that followed. To make matters worse, Peter knew that the last words that Jesus had heard him speak were the words of denial through Christ moment of need it is an awful thing to live with the, the memory that your last words in the presence of a loved one were not what you wanted them to be that you said some things that were disappointing and hurting and they are gone You have no way to fix it. You have no way to repair the damage that you have done with your words. It's an awful thing to think about. Peter spent a dark Saturday with the memory that the final words Jesus had him speak were words of awful denial. By including Peter's example in scripture, the Lord knows that there is hope for us even at our worst moments of failure. Uh, Some of you may know Christ as a Savior, but you have done something awful. You are ashamed to tell anyone. You feel as if you you can never face the Lord or his people again. But those two words and Peter. They, They show us that there is no failure that can separate us from the risen Savior's love. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Even though Peter's failure was as bad as any other failure. And secondly, we see here that Christ's love was greater than Peter's failure. Christ's love was greater than Peter's failure. You see, God's love is always greater than our failures. Note two things about our Lord's love to Peter that apply to us. First, Christ's love sent him to the cross to secure forgiveness for our sins. His love sent him to the cross to secure forgiveness for our sins. Think about John 3 verse 16, right? It declares that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish should not die but have eternal life we must understand that God's great love alone is not enough to forgive our sin see to forgive sin and at the same time maintain his justice the penalty for our sin had to be paid uh, Peters for, uh, forgiveness as well as ours is free to us right but it is costly to God It is costly to god his son had to die on the cross so that you and i be reconciled to god so that our relationship with god could be repaired our relationship that was destroyed because of our sin it is free the grace of god is free for us but it is costly to the savior It is costly to God. The the price had to be paid and we know that we are bankrupt. We we cannot pay the price. We have no ability to pay the price. Even our righteous deeds, the Bible says, are as filthy, rags, but the price still had to be paid. Nobody could have paid the price for us. No angel could have paid the price for us. No saint in the Old Testament could pay the price for us. No saint in the New Testament could pay the price for us. But only God was the one who had and could pay the price for us. To experience God's love and and forgiveness, you must turn from your sin and put your trust in what Christ has done for you on the cross. If you love, if you will believe in, in Jesus Christ as the one who bore our sin, as the one who became our propitiation, the, the wrath bearer who, who bore the wrath of God, God promises that you will not perish but, but have eternal life. Another thing that we see about God's love here is that Christ's love is based on grace, not human effort. It is based on grace, not human effort. The Lord did not say, Peter, you blew it very badly. We are going to work out a system of penance where where you can work off your sin over time. If you really try hard and, and get it together, maybe I'll take you back. You see, God's grace does not operate that way. Penance is not a biblical concept. Grace is. God's grace is unmerited favor. That means you cannot do anything to deserve it. You cannot earn it by good deeds. You cannot get more of it by extra effort. You cannot qualify for it by making promises for the future if you do anything to merit it if you do anything to earn it then it's something god owes you not grace the only proper response to grace is to receive it our human pride great against that idea of grace we, we like to think that we got we we, we got on we got on god, god's side God's good side because he saw something worthwhile in us. Right? If God accepts us according to merit, then we can feel that we are just a notch above others who aren't in the club. But grace humbles us. Grace punches the jaw of pride. Grace humbles us us and shows us that we had nothing to offer in the sight of god because the only way we can receive it is when we realize that we don't deserve it we've seen first that our sin and failure cannot be hidden from the from the savior's gaze and secondly we've seen that our sin and failure cannot separate us from the Savior's love and finally and thirdly failure does not exclude us from the risen Savior's service failure does not exclude us from the risen Savior's service A system based on on human merit would would have to be would have been removed would have removed Peter from being an apostle, or it at least would have demoted him from the lowest step of the apostolic ladder. But God often takes those who have failed the West and makes them trophies of grace for all to see. It was Peter who preached on the day of Pentecost, when 3,000 were saved and the church was founded. Two observations to make here on how God uses our failures in his service. First, God uses our failures to teach us. He uses our failures to teach us. A story is told about a promising junior executive at IBM who was involved in a risky venture and lost about $10 million for the company. When when IBM's founder, uh, Tom Watson, Sr., Called the Nevers executive into his office. The young man blurted out when he got to the office, I guess you want my resignation. Watson replied, You can't be serious. We've just spent $10 million educating you. The, the, The scriptures are abundantly clear that Peter's education through failure was not wasted. One reason he failed was, was his pride, first of all, right? It was his pride. He, he said to the Lord, where we read Mark chapter 14, verse 29, even though all may fall, yet I will not. But later years he wrote in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. He, he learned through his failures. He, he learned about his pride. You see, failure teaches us humility. In the garden, Peter failed to watch and pray with Jesus, but later he wrote in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, Be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer peter hastily tried to defend the unjust arrest of jesus by by swinging his sword to 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 Marcus and and cutting off the ear of Malchus. but later he wrote in first peter chapter 2 verse 20 but if when you do what is right and suffer for it you patiently endure it this finds favor with god peter got uh, got caught uh, off guard and denied the Lord in front of a seventh girl. But later he wrote in First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, always be ready to make a defense to any, everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Peter learned through his failure. When I say that there is hope for those who have failed, I'm not implying that we should abuse God's grace by not turning from our sin. Grace doesn't mean that we discard the need for holiness or the God-given standards of Christian leadership. But God often uses our failures to to teach us so that we we grow in obedience to him. If, if like Peter, we learn from our failures, then the Lord will use us in serving him. Let me conclude. I don't want to spend so much time here. The good news is that the risen Savior offers eternal life and and forgiveness of sins to you, no matter how badly you have failed God. Uh, But you must personally receive his offer of love by faith. Uh, Peter might argue with Paul about who was the biggest sinner. Remember Paul called himself the chief of sinners? Uh, probably they were sitting down on a table across each other and they talking about who is the biggest sinner. They might argue the whole day and the whole week about that, but neither of them would argue about how wonderful God's amazing grace is to us those who failed. That they, they would recognize immediately, they recognize immediately that God's grace for sinners like you and me. Sinners who have failed God multiple times is amazing. It never fails. The angel's words, go tell his disciples. And Peter says to us this morning, hope is not lost for the sinner. The question is, will you acknowledge your sin and trust him? our father and Lord we thank you for your grace that was displayed most clearly in Christ the grace that in the midst of our failures you still love us you call us to yourself to repent of sin to trust in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that When we think about our risen Christ and his message to Peter, who had failed him, go tell his disciples and Peter, we find that we have hope in you. May you be blessed, O God, as we heard your word. May you draw our hearts to yourself. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen.